Music, news, entertainment, it's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hi, it's Kelly, and this week we chat with Grammy Award-winning Canadian artist Alessia Cara about her role in the Netflix animated movie The Willoughbys. We also speak to Vancouver-based band Ludic, who are being touted as a band to watch. Our music editor, Sharon Hyland, talks to us about the success of Megan Thee Stallion and Beyonce's collaboration called Savage, and we've got new music on the way from Jonas Brothers, Katy Perry, and Loud Luxury. Take a listen now to a chat that we recorded with Grammy and Juno Award-winning artist Alessia Cara on Zoom. The Kelly Alexander Show. How are you, Alessia? Hey, good. How are you? So great. So super excited to ask you about your latest project, which just dropped, I know, on Netflix not that long ago, The Willoughbys. How did that come about, taking on a voiceover role? Um, well, it was something that I always wanted to do. I remember talking about it a lot, just kind of, you know, growing up and even like throughout the early stages of my career. I just always wanted to, to do it. I just thought it was really interesting. And um, I said it out loud on Jimmy Fallon one time when I was doing an interview with him and Braun Studios, the creators of the Willoughby's, um, saw the interview and so they emailed me asking um, if I wanted to play Jane. And I was like, oh, absolutely. So it happened kind of like that and yeah. That's super cool. And what was the toughest part about doing voiceover stuff? Because I don't think people realize like there's pressure to get it right when you're in that booth. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm, I guess like for me, the hardest part was doing my first sort of acting gig and like having to really let loose in front of like so many people, you know, like everybody was there, whether they were Skyping in or just right there in the room. And, you know, they're sort of watching you act for the first time. And it can be sort of scary because you want to do well. And, you know, I don't know, I, I'm I like kind of a shy person in that way. So it was, it was hard. Now, the cast is amazing. Like Maya Rudolph, Ricky Gervais, like the list goes on. Martin Short, I know. Did you get to meet any of the other cast members or were you all recording separately? Obviously, I'm, I'm sure. But I'm just wondering if you got to hang out at all. Um, no, no, we were all recording separately. And uh, I was hoping, I had my fingers crossed that we would get to meet um, during the premiere. But obviously, the world sort of changed. <laughs> so we didn't get to meet. But hopefully, you know, at some point after all of this ends, it would be so good to meet them because I'm a huge fan of all of them. How have you been doing, by the way, with uh, sort of being at home more? Are you feeling pretty creative or is this sort of just downtime for you? Um, I guess it's a bit of both. Uh, I'm trying not to force any creativity. I feel like a lot of creatives um, right now are feeling like the pressures of like having to come up with something spectacular, but I'm trying not to. I think I'm using this time to relax and, you know, be with my family. Um, but at the same time, I have sort of been without really trying, like oddly feeling a little creative. So I'm trying to, you know, use it in um, the healthiest way possible. You were supposed to host the uh, Juno Awards this year, which obviously so many of us were so excited to have you doing that. Can you tell us what was the most exciting part about you going to, or you getting that gig? And, and if you can also let us know what song you were going to perform. Yeah. So I guess the coolest thing about getting the gig was just getting the gig, like getting asked to do it. It was crazy. Um, I, I never expected anyone to see me as someone who's like capable of hosting a show like that. So it was such an honor. Um, and I was going to, I was going to perform a cool medley of October and rooting for you. We had this whole thing planned, but hopefully we'll get to do it again, like another time. Now, can you talk to us a little bit about being um, an international star? Cause you are, you have, you know, fans all over the planet, but you're also from Canada. Does it mean a bit more to see your success in Canada? Like, I'm just wondering if there's like a special place in your part when you win a Juno, when you get nominated, when you see your Canadian fans. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I mean, there's nothing like making your home proud. There, it's the best feeling in the world, you know? So um, I'm always extra grateful when, you know, I, I see people from home, like being happy for me and I'm hearing my songs on the radio at home. Like it's always a, an extra special feeling. 
what does that feel like for you when you hear your songs on the radio at home? Like, and do you remember the first time you heard your track, like in the car or whatever? Oh yeah, totally. Um, I mean, even now, like, especially that I've been like, since I've been home so much and I've been like in the same place, I've been in Toronto. Um, like we always have the radio on and I hear my songs all the time. And it's so, it's so like crazy even now to this day, just to hear myself, like, I don't know like on radio stations that I like listened to growing up and stuff. Um, but the first time, let me think the first time when I was at home, um, obviously it was here because here was the first song. Um, and I, I think I was with my, with my parents and the, no, I was, we were we were listening to the radio through the TV. You know how there's like some channels that like broadcast yeah. radio. Yeah. And it, they played here and I was like freaking out and my, my parents were in the room with me and I think I have a recording of it somewhere. <laughs> that's super awesome do you still love performing here because i know when i play your song at virgin like on virgin montreal and it comes on because we still play it every once in a while obviously we're playing your current stuff more but when it comes on i crank it like i just i'm so happy to hear it so like do you love still performing it i do you know what i, I really do um no matter how like old it gets or how many years pass i think it's just one of those things where that song, like the first song I've ever released, like it'll just always have a, a special place in my heart. It's like my first introduction into the music world. And it, that song like changed my life. So I'll always, I'll always love performing it. I was able to catch you when you were on tour with Sean Mendez. Like it feels like a gajillion years ago, but I think it was like maybe six or eight months ago. Yeah. When you came, when you came to Montreal <laughs> and uh, you just looked like you were having so much fun being on that stage, like, you know, being a part of Sean's tour, what was that like getting to, to go out with him and, and see, especially again, all your Canadian fans? Um, it's awesome. Again, like going back to being able to perform in your own hometown, like the love just feels so much more intense. Um, so, I mean, I, I love doing that and like getting to perform in that arena setting was so much fun too, because there's so many fans in one room and it's such a like beautiful environment. So um, we had a great time. It was awesome. Did you learn anything like being on that tour? Like, like, because it's such a huge production, like, was there any, and I know you've been out with Coldplay, so obviously that's a huge production too, but yeah. were there things that you sort of picked up maybe this time around as you continue to like, just climb as a performer? Um, yeah, a bunch of different things. I think, um, I mean, it's always great just to like figure out how to perform and entertain that many people at the same time. It's a very different thing from doing like small gigs or like theater shows. It's a crazy environment. And so getting to do that was like, I don't want to say practice because it was not practice. It was definitely the real thing, but it's like, it's great to just, um, I don't know, like kind of push myself to do that and like to hold that, like that, a crowd that big and entertain them. And I think when you're opening for people, especially that like you really have to sort of prove yourself. And so doing something like that just really taught me how to, I think be a better entertainer and performer and how to hold a crowd that big. And um, also just like how many people it takes to put on a production like that. You know, it's, it takes an entire village to do that. And um, you know, you, you don't take anyone for granted. Like you just really see everybody and how much hard work they put into it. And you know, it's not just the artists, it's everybody behind the scenes too. So that was, that was also a lesson. I know that you recently celebrated the fifth anniversary of here. And I saw you sort of mention it on social media. And I'm just wondering, looking back over these last five years, are there specific memories that stick out to you that you're just like, I can't believe that happened. Like maybe performing on the Ellen show for the first time or something like that. Yeah. So all of those things. I mean, the first um, TV performance I did was Fallon, which was crazy. I remember being so nervous that I forgot like 
how the song went. Like if you watch that performance back, I'm like singing different melodies. Like I'm singing the right words or whatever. I don't even know how I managed to sing the right words, but I'm singing like it, I'm singing them differently than the song sounds because I was so nervous. I forgot like everything. Um, but yeah, doing Ellen too. Like I'm such a huge fan of Ellen. Everything I've done, like going to all the cities I've been to for the first time, traveling to Europe, Asia, like places I would have never gone in a million years. Like it's, it's so crazy to have done that um, so early on in my life and in my career. And yeah, it's a trip when I think about it. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, before I let you go, I just wanted to ask you, I wanted to do this thing for our Virgin audience. All you need to know about Alessia. So what song can you listen to on repeat? Oh my God, so many songs. Uh, let me think of something recently. This is tough. Let me look at my... Hold on. I know I'm taking this way too seriously. <laughs> I appreciate that, though. Because <laughs> I play so many things. <laughs> like, so many things. I've been playing uh, Lennon Stella's album on repeat. She just released yep. an album, uh, Three Two One, which is amazing. Um, Haley Williams has uh, a song called Dead Horse that I love so much. All of Paramore's album, like, their last album. Um, yeah, everything. I listen to everything. <laughs> Who would you have, like, top of your list to collaborate with right now, if you had your choice? Oh, um, Haley Williams, definitely. Okay. Um, Anderson Pack. He's been on my list for a while. I've been trying to work with him. Well, I haven't been trying. I'm just too scared to ask, but maybe <laughs> this next album, <laughs> I'll, I'll try. Um, but yeah, he's like, he's amazing. I love him. If calories didn't count, what food would you eat every day? Oh, um, potatoes in any form. Okay. I still do eat like any type of carb, but potatoes in any form, fried, baked, mashed, all kinds. Okay. Right. Is there a song in the last 12 months or so that you wish you had written? Oh, Yeah. Uh, this guy named Ethan Greska, who's an amazing artist, he has like this great album, but he has a song called Enough For Now. Okay. It's so good. And lyrically, it's like, oh, it's exactly how I'm feeling. It's like, I wish I could have articulated it that way. It's so good. And if you could uh, co-headline a tour with someone, who would it be and why? These are great questions. Um, man, I don't know. It'd be cool to do something with Anderson Pack, Alessia. Yeah. Ex Anderson Pack tour. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Uh, and last question apart from your family and friends, who's the coolest person on your phone that you can like text or call? Hmm. Coolest person in my phone that I can text or call. I don't have like John Mayer. Yeah, John oh. Mayer. I, but I hate name dropping. I don't want to get anything wrong. I have John Mayer's number. But that is pretty cool. Every time it pops up on my phone, I'm like, wow. It's really <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's super cool. That's that is fair. Well, on behalf of all of your Montreal fans, we love you to pieces. And I interviewed you about four years ago when things were just starting to heat up for you. And I'm so happy and proud to see your progression. And you just rock. And we're so happy to play your music on our station. Thank you. Thank you for playing it. I appreciate it. Thanks for talking to me. Of course. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. The Kelly Alexander Show. Time now for some new music. The Jonas Brothers surprised their fans by dropping two new songs called X and Five More Minutes, and they have teased that they have enough new material to produce a full album. Now, the boys have not committed to a release date for a new album, but they did say they want to release more music, and then they're going to see how everything goes over the next few weeks and months, and then make a decision from there. Now, the song that you are hearing right now is called X, totally catchy, and a lot of stations are already playing this music on their airwaves, so congratulations to the boys. Told me I was out there, tried to knock me down. Took those sticks and stones, showed them I could build a house. They tell me that I'm crazy, but I'll never let them change me. So they cover me in daisies, 
Katy Perry is back with what she does best, which is write phenomenal, inspirational pop songs. Now, the song you're listening to is called Daisies. It's about pursuing your dreams. As you can tell, it's got a great beat, very easy to sing along to. And so if you're in the car, you're going to want to roll down those windows and have at it. Katy Perry, by the way, very pregnant these days. Baby number one is on the way. And uh, she wants to release a new album, and it's supposed to happen on the 14th of August. Very excited about this song. It's from Canadian production duo Loud Luxury, who we love here in Canada. They are doing great things. In fact, they actually won the Juno Award for Best Dance Recording last year. This song comes from an EP called Nights Like This, and it's the last release from this EP. It's called Aftertaste. Super catchy. If you need music to work out to, this is it. New music on The Kelly Alexander Show. Joining us on The Kelly Alexander Show, one of our esteemed friends. Can you say that, Sharon? I'm not sure. Esteemed friend? Yes. I like it. Also, our music editor, Sharon Highland. Esteemed music editor. How about that? I like that. That's fancy. <laughs> Kelly just gave me a signal. It said, speak into the mic, rookie. <laughs> <laughs> and as we all know, you are nine years older than me, so you've been hey, doing it longer. Settle it down. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, thanks for joining us. I think this is a, a record. It's three weeks in a row. So I know. Happy times. I think the last time we spoke, I said, call me, I'll be. Yeah. <laughs> and here you, you are. did, and here I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited to talk about this because, uh, well, on, on, on one level, I'm excited to talk about it. On another level, I'm kind of sad that it's even a thing. But um, we have found out that that Megan Thee Stallion and Beyonce, they have a collaboration out. A collab. A collab, uh, Savage, which is actually Megan's song and Beyonce now redid it, jumped on it with her. They are both Houston natives. And uh, as of our little chit chat, their song has jumped from number four to number two on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Nice. All that to say is that there is a good chance that this collaboration is going to be nominated for a Grammy next year. Here's the part that's crazy is that if it does get nominated, it'll be the first time, uh, and I should mention in a rap category, it'll be the first time in 23 years that there will be an all-female um, collaboration being nominated for for a Grammy in the rap category. It's not rap sung because Beyonce's done that before with Jay-Z. I think four times she's done it with him and been mm -hmm. nominated. And then she's even done it with, I think, Kendrick Lamar and also got nominated. But this would be like rap rap because she raps, Megan raps on this. And so, yeah, the last time was in 1997 when Little Kim's track, Not Tonight, got nominated and it featured artists Missy Elliott, Angie Martinez, DeBrat, and Left Eye from TLC. So how can it be 23 years for females in I the rap category? I guess there's just not been anything that good. Oh, Isn't that ridiculous? It's like, ridiculous. Because that would be the mindset of some ignorant mm -hmm. goofball that might think that that's the case. That much time, that many years to have flown by yeah. with, uh, with a... a like it's it's supposed to be like a big deal, but in 2020, and by the time the awards are handed out, it'll be 2021. To have it to have two females in this category shouldn't be a big deal. Mm -hmm. Like, come on. I know, but I, and no disrespect to the work because the work's great. Yeah, and I was being facetious when I was saying, oh, there couldn't have been anything that good up until now. It's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. But we know that the Grammys come under. Uh, under the spotlight when it comes to doing the right thing. They seem to be a couple of steps behind at times so that when they do make strides forward, 
you're happy, but it really does shine a light on the fact that they spend a lot of years not, you know, being open-minded. Right. Say. Who is that guy that you love so much? Neil Portnow? He's not there anymore, I don't think, but... <laughs> Neil Portnott anymore. How about that? Because <laughs> he was the one he, who said, uh, just with regards to female artists in general, I guess two years ago now, that they need to step up. Yeah. All he had to say was, mm-hmm. keep at it. Keep making good music. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to imply that they weren't. Right. Exactly. Do you know? Because then it really does shine a light on ignorance and you, Neil. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, if we're going to blame someone, it's your yap and mouth that we're now mad at so it's all your fault now Mr. Neil do you find that the Grammys in general are they're like you know because they are the sort of music industry world's um or I should say the television world's Oscar awards right it's like or the Academy Awards it's like music has the Grammys television has or sorry I should say film has the Oscars and I mean there's obviously many other award ceremonies that go on but I guess at the top of the list it would be those two in their respective categories but I almost feel like it's the other shows that step up quicker that do things faster, whether it's American Music Awards. I find the Billboard Music Awards are very good at usually nominating women. And I think it's been three years in a row, or at least two years in a row that Kelly Clarkson was going to host, or, or she did host and she was supposed to host again and all that stuff. I think the if you're coming from, like the Grammys always had this thing where there was a separation between them and all the rest because it wasn't sales-based information. It was the art the artist, the music that they were making, etc. So now that maybe ratings took a dip over the years because people like performances, you, we've all seen the shift in all of the award shows where they're mostly performance-based. And oh yeah, there's some awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it used to be that the Grammys were all about the awards and oh, we'll get some performances in too. That's switched now because... It's harder to keep the attention of uh, of the viewer, and and it's the almighty dollar and and the ratings that is really at the uh, at the heart of it. Um, I think that uh, what was the question? I don't even know what the question was anymore. <laughs> the question is like they are often behind the times. Well, yeah, and I think that that's the thing. It's too bad because when they were about the award, that's like the pureness of why you're getting this award. It doesn't have to be about the performance. So something then. Uh, gets lost in the shuffle when you shift your focus on the thing that makes you competing with the other shows for ratings. Mm-hmm. Like the Grammys are not my favorite show to watch. I used to love award shows mm-hmm. and I I don't love them anymore. Right. I don't know. Like I, I love the performances, but I think at this stage of our game with the access to stuff that we have, we can get anything anytime we want. Mm-hmm. So the pressure is on them to create moments. Right. I think the Grammys done a really good job with that. Wasn't it the Grammys or was it the American Music Awards that did those pairings? I think it's the Grammys. Like different genres singing popular songs of either of the artists. Those are great because Mm -hmm. people look for those things online later. Yeah, and you won't see them anywhere else. But to be able to like be in that moment, I think those are the important steps that you want to take toward making your show better. But there there has to be some shine that comes with receiving an award. You know, and I think, mm-hmm. sadly, the Grammys used to be this this great thing, but I don't know, for me, I've never won a Grammy, I'm never going to be nominated for one, but I think something's happened where it's... Not even for spoken word, Sharon? It's tarnished. Um, <laughs> you should be nominated for spoken word. <laughs> I would love to speak a word and be nominated <laughs> for it. <laughs> but you know what's interesting is when I am crafting questions, let's say, or my intros for uh, artist interviews that I do, like... We spoke before. I recently had a, like Alicia or Alessia Cara, I should say, on the show, and 
she's a Grammy Award winner. So you start with that, right? Grammy Award winning recording artist Alessia Cara. Like, yeah. It, because it, it still means something to have a Grammy. Yeah. But then when you kind of think about the act in itself, and, and I find it's uh, a lot of the urban hip hop categories are the ones that get glossed over or messed over or it's not exactly fair. Now, I know that there's not exactly fair other categories that happen, but it just feels like consistently there is issues in the hip-hop oh, rap categories. Sure. And you know what? Don't get me wrong. Winning a Grammy Award or any award, any mm-hmm. sort of attention that brings uh, light and um, and consideration and all the right things to the work that these artists are doing helps them. So I am down with awards. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nice to be congratulated. What's happened, though, consistently with the Grammys is that it's rap and hip-hop over the past few years that sort of, uh-huh, you know, like, we'll give you the awards off air. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's picking up, Yeah, you know, but before it was rock. Right. And heavy metal. Heavy metal was only a category in 1989. Wow. And they dropped the ball on that one when they awarded <laughs> the uh, best heavy metal performance to uh, Jethro Tull. <laughs> Over Metallica, like the category was bananas loaded with great options, and they they it was Jethro Tull that won. It was bizarre. They often do that. I find too, like it's it's it, that, and that's why I compare it a lot to the Academy Awards. Where I just feel like with the Academy Awards, it's almost like you have they like Hollywood has to think you've earned it, as right. opposed to really let's say you having a breakout performance or you know whatever. Because like even like it took forever for Brad Pitt you know, to get something. And he's done, I think, like, I think Brad Pitt's a great actor. I love watching his movies and I just think it's ridiculous that it's taken so long. Well, I think also there's a, there's a, you know, a make good element right. too that uh, yeah. maybe at that point, Jethro Tull in 1989 had already been at it for 20 years and made great albums and, and contributed a fantastic amount to um, progressive rock mm-hmm. and the progress of rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think of in a case where, um, like a Brad Pitt, like you say, I love Brad Pitt movies too, but are are all of them worthy? Yeah. Or are they just blockbustery? Right. Do you get typecast because you're Brad Pitt mm-hmm. and that's the kind of movie that you make? And oh, we don't usually consider those movies. I think those lines are getting continuously blurred, thankfully. Yeah. And who benefits? Us in the end. So right. hip hop will be the, the one that uh, will win in mm-hmm. the end. There'll be an, another genre of music that'll get the dark room for a while i guess spoken word spoken word nobody ever has them on stage play the music you'll be shouting from the crowd stop talking exactly uh have you had a chance yet to enjoy the megan and beyonce remix because i have actually it's really good you forced me to do that yeah exactly yeah and before we wrap up i i should mention that um i'm not sure if it's all the proceeds or a portion of the proceeds of this collaboration with megan and beyonce going to a local houston charity which is great especially trying to help through uh you know what's going on with the pandemic so that's amazing fantastic and i should make it clear too when i say that kelly forced me to listen to it a couple of weeks ago she actually had done it like four weeks before that so she hunkered down and and put my put my focus in place exactly thanks for that kill yeah what uh so i should remind people as well to follow us on our uh podcast that we co-host together 90s now and uh lots of good fun there we have chit chats about all of our favorite 90s artists especially uh crystal waters and cc pennison we enjoy them very much and you can find all the information uh 90snow.com thank you sharon thanks kel like us on facebook kelly alexander show joining us on the show is ayla tesla Mabe of the Vancouver-based band Ludic. Ludic has been touted by the CBC as a band
band to watch coming through in the top 10 of their Searchlight competition. The band has released a single called Love Me Like. It's fantastic. And we're looking forward to learning all about them. Hey, Ayla, thank you so much for hanging out with us on The Kelly Alexander Show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So starting off with you, before we get to the band, how did you get your start in music? Well, I suppose I've always loved music very much. I grew up listening to a lot of music around the house. And what really ignited things was starting to play the game Rock Band with my brother. And then from there, I realized that I really wanted to learn how to play a real instrument. And so from there, I just sort of began exploring a bunch of different instruments. Eventually, I found the guitar, which is, I think, the instrument that I connect to the most. And yeah, the rest is history. That's awesome. And so the guitar is like your spirit animal? I would say so, yeah. (laughs) Okay, that's very good. So talk to us now about how the band came together. Like, how did you guys find each other? Well, I always glamorized this idea of being in a band. Maybe the video game rock band helped in that respect. (laughs) And yeah, I had played with a lot of people, you know, as I began playing music and the bass. And then in particular with the guitar, I would just sort of try to play with as many musicians as possible and see what sort of worked and what didn't. And I had yet to find a group of young people who were, I mean, my age and really serious about music that wanted to actually create a career in music and sort of put everything into music. And then my mentor, man, Sammy, put out this post on Facebook, just sort of talking about me and, you know, what I was looking for. And this father reached back telling me about his son, who was a drummer. And he looked like he was, you know, amazing. And I'm like, this is maybe perfect. Let's jam and see what happens. So I I jammed with Rhett one time. And then the next time we got together to jam, uh, he brought his brother Max along. And then it was kind of just a magical moment. We were out at this bar and grill down in White Rock. And I think we played some like funk tunes or something like that. But whatever we played, it just, it, yeah, it felt really, really natural and just great. And so, yeah, that's how it started. That's really cool. So how long have you guys been together now? Since, hmm, that's a good question. I'm going to say the concept began in late 2016, early 2017. And there's a little bit of debate among us whether that first time we jammed was springtime of 2017 or if it was maybe summer, somewhere around there. And then from, I guess, the summer of 2017 on, we actually got together to practice at their house and just like write music. And yeah, so since then. And explain to us the title of the band Ludic, because it seems like in the in the press information I got about you, it seems like it, um, it has an influence for sure on how you guys are as a trio. Yeah, I mean, it's funny to think about whether the name came first and influenced the dynamic or if the name came as a result of the dynamic. I'm just trying to think back to what happened. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Max and Rhett. They're part of another band called The Escapes that they had been playing with for a long time. And then at a certain point, they wanted to sort of branch out and 
have a project that allowed them to sort of explore a different side of the musicality. And so the two of them began jamming. And then I think it was their wonderful mom who came up with Ludic as a name. And so then they started jamming with that name. And then when I met them, I guess it just sort of seemed perfectly natural that I would join this Ludic collective that they had created. <laughs> and yeah, it became what it is now. That's awesome. And for people who don't know, can you explain what the, the name actually means? Absolutely. Yeah, this is like a vocab quiz. This is good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically a word. I think it has a French origin, uh, and it means spontaneous and undirected playfulness. And just, yeah, to me, it encompasses exactly what it feels like to be playing in a band with Max and Rhett. It's just very free and explorative and always so much fun. Uh, and we don't take ourselves too seriously. I think we just love music and we just want to create music. And that's sort of the extent of our purpose. Yeah. That's a pretty good purpose to have. And who influences you, you the most musically? Because obviously there's three of you guys in the band. So I'm assuming that you all sort of pull maybe from different influences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we definitely have a lot of common ground uh, and music that we're always sharing with each other that I think ultimately we respect in some way. You know, if anyone is sharing what they're listening to, uh, you'll find something about it that you really connect to. But I definitely think that I bring a lot of the old school influence. Uh, I mean, the two of them definitely love a lot of the old school stuff and uh, they grew up listening to like a lot of Prince. But I definitely bring a lot of, I don't know, I guess the Motown soul influence. I definitely try to bring a lot of that. I mean, Stevie Wonder, the three of us all adore Stevie Wonder. Uh, but he, for me, is definitely a total hero. And yeah, I love like the Beatles, Beach Boys, uh, Jimi Hendrix experience, and just Jimi Hendrix in general. Huge influence, you know, David Bowie. Uh, I just, I don't know, I love so much music. Uh, but those are definitely some of the bigger influences for me. Yeah. Joining us on the show is Ayla from the Vancouver-based band Ludic. You can hit up their website for all of their social media handles, ludicofficial.com. Can you explain to us, because I love this when I saw this in the, in the press information I was given, that you guys kind of call your sound or dub your sound soul funk jazz pop. I just, that speaks so much to me, especially when I heard the song, which we're <laughs> going to talk about in just a sec. But that's such a, like, it's, it's fun that you made it into one word almost. Yeah, I guess what we're finding is it's kind of difficult to really say assuredly, you know, we are this genre. I, I, cause I don't really know what kind of music we're creating. It has all of these influences, and I guess it has all of these influences of soul funk, jazz pop, and other stuff, and I mean maybe a bit of classic rock and maybe a bit of whatever else we're listening to at the moment. But yeah, I think that was kind of a really fun and almost perfect way to capture just how what we're doing is smashing together all of these influences and just seeing what new things we can create as a result. So, yeah. Talk to us about your song, Love Me Like, because first of all, it's amazing. Like I, as soon as I heard it, I'm like, yep, going to interview this band because this is good. And then, <laughs> wow, thank you. yeah, yeah, no, super good. And then as I was prepping my questions before our chat today, I, uh, you know, still had the press link for the, uh, the song and I was like, let's listen to this again. And then I 
proceeded to listen to it three times in a row. So, so it's super catchy. And so I'm just wondering, like, how did this particular song come about? Did all three of you write it? Like, how does that go? Hmm. Well, I think the three of us would agree that every time we write a song, it's kind of like a very intentional exploration of a different facet of our influence. And with this one, it came from this sort of hook idea, verse and hook idea that Max had and this little guitar riff that just really sticks with you. There's something about it that's just so infectious and awesome. And uh, yeah, so he brought that idea and then we sort of flushed it out from there. And my inclination is always see where we can bring in the 70s soul influence. And so the bridge kind of goes there and then comes back to this sort of very danceable neo-soul I mean, sometimes almost a little bit disco-influenced, but, I mean, rhythmically very angular in a sense. So definitely playing on a lot of modern influence, both with production and with songwriting sensibility. And it definitely came from wanting to write something very, very hooky, to use that word, I guess, which is, I mean, it's awesome to hear that you think that the song is catchy and that you listen to it a few times as a result. So I guess that is a successful mission on our part. That was kind of what we were going for. (laughs) So awesome. No, it's really like, (laughs) I really, I just, I don't know because it's funny. Like when I listened to that song, and then I saw, again, the description of, of how you guys dub your music, like soul, funk, jazz, pop. It felt like all of that was in that song. Like it was all happening together. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so, no, it made me super happy. And I have to say, and I, so what I did was, is I actually took the link and I just a few minutes before our chat today, I emailed the link to my music director at the radio station I work for because I'm like, he needs to hear this song. Uh, I don't know if he'll play it, but I wanted him to hear it. <laughs> so I've said... <laughs> well, Either way is amazing. Thank you. Really yeah, no problem. It. I just like I because I know he appreciates like good live music, and so I'm like I feel like my boss will will enjoy this song, and it's yeah, it's just catchy. And the end of it too. And I even wrote in my email note, I said make sure you listen to the entire song because at the end it like has a strong finish. <laughs> so so he's got, <laughs> he's got directives for me. But yeah, it's just such a, a catchy uh, vibe that you guys have. And 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 then I watched a video of you guys playing. Um, on your social media on Instagram and it just seemed like the three of you really vibe together so I feel like if you guys can keep that up like you guys like the the you know you're, you're off to the moon wow thank you and I guess as much as possible we want to keep doing what we're doing now because it's just so much fun for us and it's it's cool like when it comes to the recording process we always start with laying down a live track where it's the three of us in a room together Max is on bass I'm on guitar Rhett's on drums And then we lay out the foundation for the song and then, you know, add all this other stuff over top. But uh, yeah, it's so awesome that that live feeling, you know, transmits through our music. And that, I think, without a doubt, is an element that will retain, you know, for the rest of the future, I guess. <laughs> Perfect. And when so, it comes yeah. to uh, to vocals, because again, on this particular song, it sounds like you're all kind of sharing vocals. So is is that the plan going forward? Like you'll all share lead vocals or is somebody like meant to be lead? Oh, I think I've always adored the idea of just whoever wants to sing, sings. And I mean, I love harmony in music and I think harmony is obviously created when you have more than one person singing. And so I 
and I, I love the different vocal textures of bringing everyone's voice in. And I think we all agree that we want Rhett to sing more because Rhett actually did, of course, contribute to some of the gang vocals that you hear in the song, uh, as well as I think our producer sang and some of the guys who were helping out in the studio and the sound engineer. And we just got everyone in a sort of echo chamber like room just to sing there. But yeah, we want more of Rhett's voice because he has a beautiful voice and I love hearing Max's voice. And I'll sing wherever needed. So, yeah, there's my convoluted way of answering <laughs> your very simple question. So, there we go. <laughs> That's all good. And now I have to ask you, um, obviously, there's a lot going on right now in the music industry uh, because of the situation that the entire planet is in right now. So, what is the plan for you guys moving forward? Like, do you have plans uh, to maybe hit the road in 2021? Like, do you know where you guys want to head? Yeah, I mean, we definitely want to hit the road as soon as it's possible. Uh, I mean, we're still going to be booking shows for the future just in case, you know, things change. Though we're fully aware that those may or may not happen. But I guess given the situation, uh, we're trying to focus on what we can do. And, you know, we're going to definitely try to be writing and hopefully recording and releasing as much music as we possibly can. And, I guess it's a blessing that, I mean, as terrible as the situation is, but the fact that it's happening now in a time when we are all very connected and, you know, social media exists, I guess sort of using that way of connecting with people to, well, connect with people. So, yeah, I guess, you know, further exploring that is definitely something we're going to be focusing on so yeah and i did want to ask you too before i let you go i noticed that you guys have like a fair chunk of followers on on instagram which i think is fantastic and so is that a focus for you guys to make sure that you keep creating this brand and and keep grabbing uh social media followers because i know like as an independent band i'm sure it's very important for you to be able to reach your fans directly yeah i mean absolutely i think it would be dishonest and kind of strange for a musician to say you know what i don't want more followers I don't want more people to be able to, you know, reach my music or hear about my music or anything like that. So, I mean, yeah, we definitely want to see what we can do to just keep sharing our music with people. And I guess it's never really about how many people are there beyond the fact that we just want to share what we do with as many people as possible. And it's simply that fact that I guess is the motivation behind everything else we're doing. So, yeah. Awesome. And do do you each sort of take uh, turns on social media, like handling it or, you know, because I'm, I know sometimes somebody's better at Instagram or somebody in the group might not even want to deal with it. So I'm just wondering how you guys mm-hmm. uh, divvy up the uh, responsibilities. And also, I'm wondering, too, because uh, you're not only artists, you guys have to be business people as well in order to further your career. Mm-hmm. So do you like we- wearing that business hat as well? Yeah, I mean, the three of us, I think, are really involved in all parts of the band and obviously certain roles people just have happened to fill just because and you know it's just it it works really nicely when everyone's sort of pulling their weight which everyone is and it's wonderful uh I think for social media Max has been really awesome on Instagram and I just I love the way that he posts things and just the way that he captions things and I personally find it more entertaining for myself when I see what he's posted on our account as opposed to, you know, me sort of trying to figure out what the best caption is and then looking back at it. I'm like, I don't find it as funny. 
as if, you know, someone else has written and now I'm like the audience member. Though, of course, we definitely are all in charge of the content that we're posting and, you know, what we're going to be posting and when and all of that. But yeah, Max has been awesome at that. And also, yeah, it, it's funny to hear, you know, maybe some musicians say that music shouldn't be a business, but at the end of the day, it has to be because, I mean, it's, it's an industry in which unless you're sort of blessed with being thrust into instant fame where you can have a team with you and, uh, you know, you don't have to sort of be as attentive to the smaller details. Though I, I feel like everyone should be. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a necessity and we definitely also really enjoy it just because it sort of, it involves almost psychology and then also finance and marketing and all of that kind of stuff, which I know we're all interested in. So yeah, it's fun to sort of be able to be part of the whole process. Amazing. Uh, Ayla, thank you so much for this. It was so fun to have you back on the, or on the show, I should say, and you're welcome back anytime. Oh, thank you very much. Appreciate that. That is uh, awesome. Ayla from the uh, Vancouver-based band Ludic, and you can again hit up their website for all their social media handles, ludicofficial.com. Thank you so much for spending time with us on the program this week. We always appreciate it. A big shout out to our guests, Alessia Cara and Ludic. My thanks to our super producer, Adam Brisson, for doing such a great job putting the show together. Don't forget that you can listen to us on all the major podcast platforms. Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. We'd also love for you to grab all of our social media handles by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. Have an amazing week. You and I will chat soon. The Kelly Alexander Show.